Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 5th of August 2012, entitled Going for Gold Part 2, and the Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 3 verses 1 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We had a look here last week, I think, uh, concentrating upon uh, verse, verse 10 there. I want to go back and uh, look at a few other things. Philippians chapter 3, let's stand for the reading beginning in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 3. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ." Be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ." whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Father, thank you again. Lord, for this time this evening, or especially now the time that we have to look into your word, Lord, we pray that your blessing would be upon all that is said, Lord, that your anointing would be upon thy servant, that you would speak the words that need to be spoken this evening, Lord, that each heart might be spoken to, as you know the needs, and you're the only one that can do that work which will be of any lasting result. So, Lord, may you do that which you would do this evening, and may we give you all the honor and glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We said last week as we began looking at this thought of going for gold, we know that uh, with the Olympics that are taking place and pretty much uh, kind of hard to get away from it, uh, whatever you turn on, it's there. Uh, you know, one of the amazing things that, uh, that we find about the, uh, uh, the Olympics, which uh, uh, is kind of refreshing is that uh, these athletes come from all these different countries all over the world. And uh, their, uh, their focus uh, is upon the athletics. 
Uh, it's not upon all the problems and all the troubles and all the fightings and all the disagreeings that are going on between the, uh, uh, the different governments, but they're able to go out there and regardless of where they're from, uh, to be an encouragement one to another. And in some ways, that reminds me, of course, as the family of God. Uh, people from all over the world, from all different cultures, from all different walks of life, Everybody's got their own problems and their own challenges and their own difficulties. Um, but the race that we're reading about here in chapter 3 is one that, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of where we come from, that we all come together. Uh, and we can be an, an encouragement and a support uh, to one another. Uh, as Paul began this chapter in writing to the church at, uh, uh, at Philippi here, uh, he began, as uh, we said, that he... Uh, it's not uncommon for the Apostle Paul to, to give warning to this church uh, that they needed to be to beware. And, and he uses some pretty uh, straight language here, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Why? Because we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. What is the contrast between these two? It's interesting that he begins the chapter in that fashion. And then just before he closes down in verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they, were the, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Again, it's that same group, but then in verse 20 and 21, the contrast between us. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's there. We're looking for him, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So what about the in-between? What about the in-between throughout this chapter? Paul uses this analogy, and we said that, uh, that really the focal verse, if you would, there in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul begins, really, these that he's talking about, these that he's warning them to beware of, uh, they are really the, uh, uh, the religious crowd, uh, the Pharisees, those that... Uh, uh, would be out there that would be operating really doing what they're doing in the flesh. It's amazing what people can do in the flesh. We talked about this some last week when we began looking. It's just absolutely astounding. Uh, the popularity that people can rise to, uh, the, I guess, uh, a certain amount of, of, of gain and, and, and reward and things that they can have in this world because of what they do. And the Apostle Paul is pointing to these, and he's saying, hey, you know, there are those, you, you've got to beware of these, um, but there's something different about us. And he goes back, and he points his finger. He said, you know, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any of them may think that he were off, he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. He said, you know, they think that they've accomplished some great things in the flesh, but I've got plenty to brag about. And he just lays out a few of these things here, you know, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. He says, hey, I was quite accomplished in the flesh as well. You know, I, I came from the right background. I uh, came from the right stock. Uh, he came, you know, from... Uh, uh, from the stock of Israel and of that of the tribe of Benjamin. He had something that he could brag about there. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. I mean, even my people, they looked up to me because of who I was and what I was as touching the law of Pharisee. Now, we look at that as being a negative, but in the flesh, it was a positive. This was the people that, that, that literally knew uh, the letter of the law, and they were the strictest when it come to, to living by that. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Again, we would see it as a negative, but, well, he didn't. At the time, he thought he was doing great things for God, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He lived a moral life. 
I gave some illustrations. I've, I've said before, you know, that that's, that's the thing, that in the flesh, there's a lot of people that can live better lives than us. So we keep this in mind. The Apostle Paul is taking us somewhere here saying, okay, hey, on the one hand, there are all of these that have accomplished great things in the flesh. You know, they come from the right place. They've got the right education. They've got the right positions. They've got all of these things. But be careful because we're not of that crowd. We're something different. Matter of fact, he goes on here in verse 7, and he makes this astounding statement. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but done that I may win Christ. All of that, all of, all of that fleshly achievement, everything, he's not saying that it's all bad. He's just saying that, that all that is there, that's not what we need in our spiritual race, in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual life. All those fleshly things are not what is going to help us win this spiritual race. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm willing to give it all up, to trade it all. Everything that I am, everything that I've worked for, all of those accomplishments, I'm willing to just count them as nothing, as dung, as refuse for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. That's what we talked about last week, that knowing him. And as we looked at the, those passages, we looked there and we said that he made it very clear that he wanted to know him in person, knowing his person, knowing his power, the power of his resurrection, knowing his, pa his passion, the, the fellowship, the sharing of his sufferings, knowing his purpose, becoming like him in his death. Paul said, to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm willing for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord I'm willing to give up everything else. He says, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness. He's already said his own righteousness in the natural eye was blameless, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He said, you know, boy, when it come to the righteousness of man by the law, he said, man, I was blameless. He said, that's not what I need. I need something that is beyond that. I need the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that which can only come to me by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I want you to notice what he says in the next verse here. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. This is the apostle Paul talking, but he says, you know, I haven't arrived yet. Uh, the simple truth is, is that there is not one of us, not anybody that is still living that can attain more. There's nobody that's arrived yet because that day comes at the end of the chapter when we are made just like Jesus Christ. There's room in all of our lives for growth. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, mature, spiritually mature. He says, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. What is he striving for? What he's striving for is that which Christ is striving for in him. All of his fleshly stuff, he's willing to give it all up. But he says, hey, look, I'm not where I need to be yet. And the simple truth is, is that what I really need to be is what Christ would have me to be. What does he want with my life? We've talked about that in different ways. I believe with all of my heart that if we can understand anything from the word of God, we know without a shadow of a doubt that God has a reason and a purpose for being here. Yes, in a general sense, we are all here above all as individuals and as a church, that the lost might be one to Christ. That's why Christ came. That's why we're still here. That's why his work is still going on. But within that framework, God has a specific purpose for your life, each and every individual. 
God has a way that he wants to use you in his overall plan of winning the lost to Christ, of getting the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to every creature out there. God has a purpose for you in that. And that's what Paul is saying. It's not like I've arrived yet. What I really want, what I really need, what I really need to apprehend is that which Christ has apprehended me for. Do you remember what it was that he said on the Damascus Road when he met the Lord Jesus Christ there? Lord, what would thou have me to do? What would thou have me to do? You know, that's the question that maybe we ought to be asking today. Lord, what is it that you want? I mean, maybe maybe we've got all of these great things that we've been able to accomplish, and they're not bad things. A lot of them are maybe good things and whatnot. Paul said, you know, really, all of that is worthless in comparison to knowing him in his fullness. He says, you know, as, as a person with all that, I, I haven't arrived where I need to be yet. I'm not where I need to be yet, but what I really need to be is what Christ wants me to be. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do. You know, the simple thing is, is that first of all, there are those things. He says, forgetting, there's, there's one thing that he's going to do, and of course that is what is pinned there in verse 14, pressing towards the mark. But to do that, he says, there's one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind and, and reaching forth into those things which are before, things which are behind, forgetting those things. Now, he's not talking here about not remembering anything. But I think that, you know, the simple truth is what he's saying is, you know, I can't live in the past. I can't live in the past if I'm going to win this race. Try to remember the countries that was involved. You know, one of the uh, first road races when that uh, uh, there were such high hopes for some of the uh, British riders as they got out there and they cycled all of those however many miles that uh, uh, that it was that they cycled and when they came down to the to the end and it was obvious they weren't there that there were there were three riders that were out there at the front. And the one that was out front at the time was a Colombian rider on that bike. And I mean, he was giving it everything that he had. There was two behind him. I think one was from the Netherlands, and I forget where the other one was from. Uh, Russia, I think it was maybe. But there were those, those three riders out there. And this Colombian, he was out front. But I don't know if anybody saw it. He made a mistake. I mean, he, he, had, he had a couple of links on him, but he turned and looked back over his shoulder. And when he looked back over his shoulder this way, that was exactly what they were looking for. They shot around him on the other side. He ended up with a bronze. He was in the gold place, but he turned to look back. He was worried about what they were doing instead of just reaching forth and pressing towards the mark. Who knows? Would he have made it? Would they have got another opportunity? I don't know, but it was very obvious that the reason they were able to overtake him at that point was because he was looking back. You know, we can't live in the past there's a lot of things that we need to, to forget. One of the things that we need to forget is past sins. You know, in, chapter, in, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we could look several places. The Bible uses several different illustrations. You know, He talks about casting our sin into a sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us again. He also talks about taking our sins and putting them as far as the east is from the west. You can't get any further. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's infinity. It just goes forever, forever, and forever. And that's how far. You see, when, when God forgives, He forgets. That's a hard thing for us, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, we learn from our sin, and some of those sins may leave scars, but the thing is, if we've confessed it, if we've took it to the Lord, if he's forgotten about it, 
then if it keeps getting thrown up and you know you've confessed it and you know that you've got it under the blood, then there ain't but one person that's bringing that up to try to hinder you in your race, in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to forget those past sins. We also need to forget past failures a lot of times. I know that a couple of the athletes that were interviewed and in those first few days when there weren't a lot of medals being won, you know, Great Britain's come on pretty good these last couple of days, but uh, in those first few days, you know, they were, had a lot of expectations that weren't falling into place. And one of the questions that the commentators kept asking the, the coaches and those involved was, you know, well, do you think that they'll be able to get past this, to get over this because they've been defeated so bad today? Are they going to be able to get back up to compete again tomorrow or the next day or later in the week when they're uh, competing at another time? And, of course, most of the time, the answer that would come back would be something like, yes, because they're professionals. They'll put that behind them. The fact that they failed, that'll be behind them. They'll be looking at the race that they're in at that moment in time. So many times, we can become fearful. Perfect love casteth out fear. We can become fearful of the things that God may want to do with our lives, of the things that we're wanting to do for Him because of past failures, because we've tried something in the past and we failed at it. You know, we can learn from those failures, but we've got to put them behind us. We've got to forget those things. The simple truth is, is that because that we failed in the past doesn't mean that we can't do anything. I think I shared with you an illustration once before, the man that, uh, uh, J.C. Penney, I think it was uh, uh, pronounced a little different because of his French background before he uh, became one of the, one of the largest uh, uh, department store chains in the, in the United States, J.C. Penney's. Uh, and J.C. Penney himself was something in his late 60s, early 70s uh, when he founded that business. Uh, and the simple truth was is that uh, uh, he had failed many, 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 many times. Uh, he had failed, but he kept getting back up and he kept going again and he kept going again. And it was quite late in life uh, when it all came to fruition uh, but he didn't quit just because he failed. And he was the one that, a uh, statement that's been repeated many times, that the only person that's never failed is a person that's never attempted anything. Uh, failure is part of it. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, not just the sins and the failures, but, you know, I've met too many Christians that are living in the past with their past successes too. Because of what God did 30 years ago, because of what God did 20 years ago, because of what God did 10 years ago, even because of what God did last year, you know, the thing is we're still living and basking, you know, the greatness of that. Well, what's God doing today? What does God want to do today? We can't get all satisfied because he did some wonderful things in our life or through us that we had a part in some way 30 years ago. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. We find that we need to forget a lot of those things, the sins, the failures, the successes. You know, according to the Bible, we need to forget a lot of those past pleasures too. Uh, the world has a lot of pleasures. The children of Israel failed there miserably. You remember after God brought them out of captivity, out of Egypt, out of all of that? We won't go back for the sake of time, but we could go back and we could read in, in Numbers chapter 11, chapter 20, verse chapter 21. Uh, the simple truth was is that uh, they got to a point that they just began wanting what they had on the other side. They wanted their life of ease that they had back in Egypt rather than where God was taking them right now. They remember the pleasures of before. You know, so many times Christians stumble over remembering past pleasures. And they look at where they are now, and, and, and it seems like, boy, things were better then. Maybe I should just go back there again. Forgetting those things which are behind, the good ones, the bad ones, the unhappy things. A lot of times there are unhappy experiences that just need to be put behind us. We find that... Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind us and reaching forth to those things which are before. 
You've all seen this. You've all seen exactly what he's writing with. If you watched any of the, the Olympic, the Olympic uh, running at, at all that's been taking place during these Olympics, you've seen exactly the picture that he's painting here, that, that, that reaching forth. Literally, as they're in that race, they're forgetting what's back there, and they are stretching out towards where they're going. They're stretching towards the finish. They're going, and you see them, and especially as they get there, they'll start pumping, and as they get to that finish line, they're stretching, reaching to the forward as much as they possibly can to get across that line first. Paul says, we're in a race. He says, now, I accomplished a lot of things in the flesh, and I was in a pretty good position. But something happened to me when I met Jesus on the Damascus Road one day. And suddenly all those things became worthless to me. I count them as absolute nothing. That I might know the excellency of his knowledge. That I might know him. Paul says, no, I'm not where I need to be yet. But he says, what I really, what I really want to apprehend, what I really need to be is what he has apprehended me for. What has he got me here for? What does he want me to do? And he says, you know, there's this one thing. I, I haven't gotten there yet, but there's this, there's this one thing I do. And it's the one thing that we all need to do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Reaching forth to those things that are before us. You see, he goes on in the very next verse and he says, I press toward the mark. You know what that word press there really carries with it, the idea? It's a word that was used. You know, he's already said that he is stretching forth towards that which is ahead of him. But this pressing was a word that they used when they really put on the pressure, when, when in actual fact it was a word that was often used when they were having to catch up with someone and they were really having to press hard. They were falling behind and they really had to put on the pressure. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, this pressing needed to take place. And as we look at that passage, we begin to see the importance, you know, the Bible says that a double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways. Paul had set his mind and his focus, this, this one thing I do. I've done all this in the past. This one thing that I do right now, forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark to know him, to know him intimately, to do those things. And as we look at this, as we press towards that mark, I've put down a few simple thoughts that I want to leave you with this evening. First of all, we need a purpose that is real, a purpose that is real. Too many Christians have no real purpose to their life. They're glad that they're saved. They're glad that they're on their way to heaven. They're glad, you know, sometimes even to maybe come to church occasionally and whatnot and to rejoice with the other Christians. But I'm saying, you know, this is one of the things that, again, I can't remember if I shared it with you or when I saw it. I remember when I was watching one of the interviews and that was one of the things that came out was the fact that, you know, what was the difference when they went around and they were looking for all these athletes in the schools and the athletic clubs and trying to figure out who is it? Who is it that's, that we're going to sink all this money into to, to train for this possibility at the Olympics because there's a phenomenal amount of money that goes in there over that four-year period from one to the next in trying to, to give them every possibility of being able to win. What is it when you go to these different places? How do you decide? And, of course, they talk about, of course, you've got to have talent. If you're going to pick somebody to be a runner, they've got to be able to run uh, if they're going to do that. If they're going to be a swimmer, they've got to be a good swimmer. But the problem is there's lots of good swimmers and there's lots of good runners out there. How do you find those that become those individuals that are able to go for the gold, to really go for the gold? You know, we find that 
They said that there's that one key that they're looking for in all those people is them that want it bad enough. Those that really want it. Those that are willing. Because you see, if they don't want it bad enough, then they're not going to be willing to pay the price. They're not going to be willing to pay that price. Because the first thing that that we need, if we're going to be successful, if we're going to genuinely go for the goal, Paul had a goal in life. Many of us, I guess as Christians, are kind of like, uh, I used to love to spend time on the on the river. I used to love to to fish when there was time in my life for things like that. And you know, one of the things, that, it's very peaceful out there, but, you know, if you're out there on the, on the water, I mean, if you've been there, it's amazing how that the currents can change. And, you know, just those, those twigs that have fallen off of the, the trees and things on the side, and you can see those twigs, they absolutely, just wherever the current takes them, that's where they're going. They have absolutely no control. When the currents change, they go a different direction, and those twigs go a different direction. Too many Christians are like those twigs. The currents are changing all the time. The currents in the life that, that, that we're living, the currents around us, even in, in Christianity, there's, there's new things that are coming along all the time. And too many Christians are just carried along with the latest new thing that comes down the pike. We find that we need to have a purpose, not just to be carried along. We don't have to do that. We can commit ourselves to a, to a purpose, to a goal. We can, we can resist those things. I remember reading somewhere that, uh, you know, I may not as an individual be able to change the world, but I don't have to let the world change me. And, you know, we as one person may not be able to change the world, but we ought not let the world change us. Paul had a goal. He had already said in this very epistle back in chapter 1, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How many of us genuinely can even begin to comprehend that to live is Christ To live is him. He's the one that has my life. Paul said, what I haven't got there, but what I really need, all of that stuff that I've accomplished in the flesh, there's something far, far, far better than that. There's something more than that. All of that is nothing in comparison to really knowing Christ. I haven't gotten there. But if I really, really want to attain, I need to attain that which he wants me to be. There's this one thing that I do. There's this one thing that I do. Instead of trying to do a dozen different things, there's this one thing that I must do. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth towards that which is ahead, I press towards the mark. You see, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I'm just saying, folks, that when that runner gets out there, he's got to have a purpose. He's got to be willing to pay the price. When they were interviewing a couple of different people, Carl Lewis, the, uh, the runner that, uh, that won something like 12 gold medals in, in, uh, in running, and uh, uh, the Australian guy, Ian... Uh, Lesher or something like that, that that won the gold for Australia in the swimming, and they were interviewing these guys, and and something there that, again, I found extremely interesting when they asked the question, because, you know, said, when you get out there, and they were talking about this fact, whether it's running or whether it's swimming, each, each, each sport has its own threshold of pain, if you would. And the simple fact is, in order to be able to do what they do, You've got to put yourself through some intense pain that most of us cannot even imagine. The fact is, they said that they were both talking about whether it was running or whether it was swimming. 
You're not going to win a gold medal. You're not going to be out there in front. When you get to that point that your body, everything within you is screaming, stop, quit. I can't go any further. I can't do any more. The pain is excruciating. And yet you've got to push beyond that pain because of the goal that's beyond it. Because you have a purpose to get through it. And it was amazing when the ass said, well, you know, when you're out there and you're going in that race, what is it? How can you keep going when the pain gets that much because you're pushing your body to such great limits? How can you get beyond that? And it was really simple but astounding, his answer. He said, because you've been there so many times before. You put yourself through it. That's what all of that preparation is about. You go through it, and you go through it, and when you get there, and it is painful, and it's the most excruciating pain that you felt. You know you can get through it because you've been through it. You've put yourself. You see, so many times people don't have enough of a purpose in their life. They're not pressing towards the mark. We find that the ones that are going to win the gold, they're going to be the ones that really want it. Brother Steve, they're going to want it bad enough that they're willing they're willing to go through the pain. They're willing to hurt. You see, if you really, and we'll come to this, I'm going to jump a little bit. If you really want to be like Christ, you're going to have to be willing to go through the pain just like he did, just like he did for us. We've got to be willing to go there for him because not only does it require a purpose that is real, but there's a pressing that is required. The Apostle Paul here is reaching forth unto, the, unto those things which are before. He's talking about stretching as far as you can stretch. It's not a life of ease. It's not sitting back and it just happening by itself. If you're going to go for the gold, then you're going to have to be willing to stretch yourself to the very limit, to stretch yourself as far as you can go, to stretch so far that you think that you can't go anymore. Your body thinks it can't go anymore, but you go on anyway. Not looking back, pressing, pressing, always pressing, always doing whatever is necessary not to lose out, but to win. Second Timothy 2.5 says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. You know, even in the Olympics, there's no cutting corners. There's no cheating. You know, the simple truth is you've got to do it the right way in order to be a true winner. And, you know, there are those today that they want to cut the corners. They want to come up with their own rules. They want to break the rules. They want to stretch the rules. They want to do away with just this little tiny rule somewhere. But there is no cutting the corners. If we're going to go for the gold, then we've got to be willing to do that which is necessary. I press towards the mark. What do you think that mark is? You know, in, in, in a lot of places, if you've got a Bible that sometimes has uh, another word in the center column that shows you, and sometimes it'll have a little letter there, and instead of mark in the center, it'll have something like goal. Uh, a lot of new translations have taken mark away, and they've just replaced it with goal, which uh, I don't like. I think there's a reason there for that word mark. I press towards the mark. You see, it can be a goal. But the word there, and I don't need to try to make a fool of myself and pronounce it for you in the Greek, but the word there, literally, yes, it can be translated gold, but it is actually, it is actually that which is used as speaking of an observer. Matter of fact, it was the, it was the word that would be used for a sentry or a scout, that observer that was sent out ahead of everyone else. And I thought, wow, I press toward the mark. What is the goal? The one that's observing, the only one that really matters is Jesus Christ himself. And he's already gone before us. He's already made the pay. We, we're following him. He's the outlook. He's the one that's there. I press toward the mark. I press towards the goal. That goal is Jesus Christ himself, the mark. So we find that if we're going to go for the goal, then... We've got to begin with the simple fact that there's got to be a purpose. You've got a really purpose. You've got to want 
You've got to want to get to this goal. You've got to want to be there. You've got to be willing to press, to stretch, to take yourself to the limit and beyond. The simple truth is, is that's what Jesus Christ did for us. He went the way before us. He didn't quit when it got hard. He could have. He was God. But he suffered all that he took upon himself. He took the complete humiliation. He took all the pain that they could dish out. He died there on that cross on our behalf. He paid the ultimate price. Are we willing? Are we willing? Do we want the prize that much that we are willing to be willing to pay whatever price, to go through whatever pain is necessary in order to get there, pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that prize? I press toward the mark, the goal, towards Jesus Christ himself. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, in everything that we have looked at here, I believe that very simply, folks, when we look at what the Apostle Paul has put before this and after this, I believe when he looked at everything that he was and everything that he had accomplished and everything that he had done in his life, that he was willing to count it all as nothing, to lose it all, he was willing to have none of that, the knowledge of the excellency of Christ Jesus, to know him his person, and his power, the power of the resurrection, in his passion, in his purpose, to know that, to be willing, as he says, you know, to, to literally, he says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. This one thing I do, Forgetting those things that are behind, pressing to that's before, I press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling in Christ Jesus. I'm sure you've heard a lot of different things, and that's fine. You know what I believe with all my heart as I've studied through this passage and I look at its whole context and everything that the Apostle Paul is searching for? You know what I believe? You know, sometimes we think about the prize there, and we know that one day there's going to be crowns that are going to be given out uh, at the marriage supper of the Lamb and all I don't. I don't believe that's, that can even possibly be what the Apostle Paul is talking about there in the context of everything that he's looking for, that he's striving for. I believe the real prize there, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I believe it's to be like Jesus. <laughs> I believe it's Christ-likeness in our life. You know, what, what the Apostle Paul in this race, what he's really saying is, hey, you know, I've done some pretty good things in my life. I've accomplished some big things. I've worked hard for some things. I've held those important positions. But, boy, I met somebody one day that changed all of that for me. It changed everything about it. And now that is all worthless just for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I might know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering, that I might be able to attain to that resurrection. He says, I'm not what I need to be, but what I really need to be is what he wants me to be. That's where we get to down at the very end. That's the way he comes to the end. There's a day coming when I'm going to be made just like him. He said, you know what I need in this life now? The thing that Christ needs to meet the, the greatest prize, that high calling of God in Christ Jesus is us being like him, us being like him. Day by day, that's the race that we're in. That's the purpose we ought to be running for. You know, if we could be like Christ, then everything else will take care of itself. If they could be more of him in us and, and less of ourselves, if we could truly, truly have that Christ-likeness in our lives, 
Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I would encourage you this evening. You know, the simple truth is, is that it was a pretty simple lesson, a simple lesson that we can all understand, but a hard lesson to learn. Are we genuinely willing? As these athletes all around us have been doing this week, you see, change doesn't come easy. Change is a very, very, very hard thing. So many times it's easy to say, I want to be like Jesus, but do we really want that in our life? Do we want to think like him, act like him? Do we want people to see us as they saw Christ? You see, I really believe that's where the Apostle Paul had, had come to in his life. We sing, I love that song, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. He does bring a change. But the simple truth is, is that there's more change. There's greater change in all of us that, that can take place. Too many times Christians reach a, a plateau, a place where they just kind of level out and, and coast along, uh, comfortable. Uh, we like being comfortable. Uh, sometimes we resist change, and change can be uncomfortable for us, and it kind of upsets our routines. It's easier just to, to sit, to listen, to go on about our business. But I like one of the things that, you know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. Same word we get our word metamorphosis from. <laughs> Literally being changed. It's interesting in the Bible because in that verse, he says not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed like to him. To be transformed is to be changed from one thing into something totally different. We need to be changed from what we are in this world is something totally different in Jesus Christ. Be not conformed to this world, but yet the same Bible tells us to be conformed to the very image of Christ Jesus. See, to be conformed is to be made like something. We're not to be made like the world. We're to be made like Jesus Christ. When it comes to the world, we need to be transformed. We need to be made into something that's totally different, and that's not easy. And it's not something that comes easy to most of us. So I just want to leave you with a simple thought this evening. You know, we can go for the gold. These athletes have inspired a lot of people. <laughs> I've heard people say, you know, this is crazy. I've never cried in my life, and yet I cried when that person was up there. And, and it, it works up a lot of emotions in people when you recognize how much they sacrificed in order to win that physical race. They've had to want it so bad. And Paul's just giving us a challenge here in this passage, I believe, that well, we're in another race. He's comparing it. He's using athletics. He's using it as an illustration there. We're in a more important race. It's not what we can attain in the flesh, what we can attain spiritually. The simple truth is, though, a lot of those same principles are applied. Do we have purpose with our life? Do we really want it bad enough? Do we really want our lives to be made like Christ? And if we're willing to forget those things that are behind us, stretch forward to that which is before us, to press towards the mark, towards Jesus, to press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, press towards him that we can be just like him one day. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that as we've looked at this passage, Lord, we just think that on the one hand that, Lord, it should excite all of us because we know. We know that for the change, the difference that you took and used that one man called Saul of Tarsus and what you used him for, Father, he was in a race, and we're all in a race. Just like the Olympics have brought all these people from all around the world, Lord, you've got family all around this world, and, well, there's one race that we all need to be competing in. There's one gold 
that we all need to be going for. That's the goal of Christ-likeness, being like him, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I believe that is your high calling upon us in Christ Jesus is to be like him. You tell us, you promise us there, even in Romans, Lord, that, well, that that process that's taking place, Lord, in our lives, and that one day we will be just like him. Lord, we look forward to that day, but in the meantime, I pray that you can help us to be encouraged and to be challenged at the same time. doesn't really matter about past failures, past sins, the things that are behind us, let those be behind us. Help us to reach forth to the things that are before us. May our greatest desire in that is that we can attain to that which you would have us to attain for, that which you've attained us for. Lord, help us to be what you would have us to be. And We know that in all of that, we need to strive to be just like our Savior. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go for the gold. Go for the gold with your spiritual life. You can sit back, you know, you know, when you stop and think about it, of all of the people in the world that are good runners and that are good swimmers and that are good at all these different sports, and yet the very small few from a whole country that ends up being there to compete in the Olympics, the very few that are there, the few that have been willing to pay the price, <laughs> that have been willing to sacrifice many of them just about everything else. That's all that they've worked for their whole lives many times. We've got something far greater to work for. We've got something, a goal that's far more than winning a gold medal in athletics or winning the gold medal out there in the, in the aquatic center. I'm, you know, I, I admire and respect them for what they're doing. I'm saying that Man, there's a greater race that we're involved in as Christians, and that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. We can go for the gold if we're willing. If we're willing, if we want it bad enough, if our purpose truly is to be like Christ, and in so doing, we want that so bad that we're willing. We're willing to go through the pain. It's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to cost. It's going to take some sacrificing other people aren't going to understand. Some of these, some of these people, they've, they've sacrificed friendships and families and a lot of the pleasures that could have been theirs because they had a purpose, a goal that was so important. You know, you'll never lose anything for the Lord, for what he'll repay you many times, many times over. He tells us that in his word. You know, we might forsake moms and dads and brothers and sisters and houses and all the things that we have, but in him... He'll pay us back many times over. His blessings will be far, far greater than what it might cost us. Mm -hmm.